Hello, welcome to With Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And my name is Elle Kammerer. And today we are talking about some Mansfield Park adaptations. Yes. Yes. We decided this week's theme was through another person's point of view. Mm-hmm. I tackled the point of view of everybody's favorite Austin hero, Edmund Bertram. Yay. What? <laughs> And Katrina took took a look at Mansfield Park through the eyes of Mary Crawford. Yes, kind of, in a way. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if yours was like a true retelling or if it was like a sequel kind of situation. It's a sequel situation, but it references stuff from the original novel, so we'll get into Mm -hmm. it. But um, I think you should definitely go first because, if I'm not mistaken, you read Edmund Bertrand's Diary by Amanda Mm -hmm. Grange, which you have read all of her hero diaries that we've read books for so you did darcy you did knightley you did what's his name tilney (laughs) tilney yes there we go (laughs) i can never remember his name um and now we come to mr edmund bertram so tell tell us about it um do we like edmund after reading this is he still a whiny little bitch like what's the deal what's the tea so Amanda Grange does a great job of writing. She, you know, she gives us little sneak peeks like pre-story and after story. And like, she's really good at kind of getting into the minds of the male characters and telling us things, you know, um, she takes things that we hear, uh, you know, secondhand in the novels. It does a really good job of turning them into first person, like narratives. Great job. And the ob- these, this is done as a diary. So we kind of, you know, See everything broken up. It's easy to follow. Great job. Edmund Bertram is still a whiny bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I will have to say that I was not a fan of the book, but that has absolutely nothing to do with Amanda Grage's writing or even the style of the book. It's the subject. (laughs) Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Does she try to like write it in a way that you're supposed to like Edmund or do you think she like looks at Edmund and is like you kind of suck and I'm gonna write you sucky because this is how you would be I think that she is very true to the character that we see in the Austin novel okay so I think much like when people read Mansfield Park they're not necessarily going to look at Edmund as like the shitty whiny character that we both see him as right. uh because as as we've both kind of seen while we were reading this, like, there are people who absolutely hate Fanny Price, and we don't necessarily see that. We like Fanny Price. Right. So I can see, I'd, I'm not for certain, because I don't know that much about the Edmund Bertram fandom, uh, but I there might be people out there who really like Edmund, and they might continue to like him after reading this book. Okay. I don't think this will change minds. Yeah. I will say that, like, when I first read Mansfield Park, and then also, like, I was very familiar with the 99 adaptation, mm-hmm. you know, I, I liked Edmund Bertram. I didn't love him, but, like, I liked him, but I don't think I really, like, considered, like, how we talked about kind of, like, the subtle ways he's like oh i improved fanny's mind so of course we'll be together or just Mm -hmm. like how whiny he is over mary crawford you know i think i was more focused on fanny and like i was rooting for fanny and wanted fanny to get what she wanted and she wanted Mm -hmm. edmund and so that's why but after this reread i'm like oh no yuck well and i think when you see edmund 
in like a film, you're not getting that running commentary in his mind. Yeah. Because the moments that we really hated him in the main novel was when we got that image or that 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 little peek into his mind when he was like, oh, I have, you know, molded her mind when he thought that when he suddenly decided that he was in love with Fanny it was very off putting. And yeah. when he was watching his father kind of treat Fanny like crap and stuff like we would get those little kind of insights into Edmund. Yeah. And it just didn't sit right with us. Yeah. But you don't see that in the film and especially the film that you're talking about. I feel like they took some of those moments and made it seem as if he did actually care more about Fanny than the in- initial novel let on. Right. So because again, remember, those characters in that ad- adaptation aren't true adaptations yes. of Mansfield Park because they have other influences. Yes. So but yeah, no, in this book, like, cause it's all through his point of view. It's, it's very whiny. Okay. It's as soon as he meets Mary Crawford, it's just Mary Crawford, Mary Crawford, Mary Crawford. Mm-hmm. So like it starts off before Fanny arrives and uh, he and Tom. So we kind of see a little bit of him and Tom's relationship as they're growing up because he's, 16 at the beginning of this book because he's about six years older than fanny and i think he's like 22 at the end something like that no he's 16 17 18 he's 25 at the end so but so he's 16 him and tom they're both going to school at eton and then tom next year is going to go to oxford so they're home when fanny arrives um home for the summer and they're out riding and they're swimming and they're fishing and, you know, they're having a good time and they, they're very brotherly. And you can kind of see the differences between the two of them. Like Edmund, for being the younger brother, is still very serious in a way. Yeah. Uh, whereas Tom isn't. And Tom very much is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be a little bit more frivolous and stuff like that. And you can already kind of tell that Edmund's like, mm, I don't think I'm going to be like that. And then Fanny arrives and... Edmund is very kind, like he is in the novel. We also see Tom kind of just, like, not caring. Like, he tries, but Fanny isn't very, like, interested in being around him. Mm -hmm. Like, she's scared of him almost, so he kind of gives up on trying. And Mariah and Julia are kind of forced to be nice to Fanny. Okay. By Edmund. Edmund's like, oh, Fanny, go play with Mariah and Julia. And they just kind of have to accept her. But they're not cruel. Right. I I feel like we got that, like, in the book as well. Like, they, you know, they were aware of her, but they knew that they had to be, like, separate from her. And, like, even Mm -hmm. though Edmund might be saying, do this, we know, like, as readers who read the book that Mrs. Norris and, Mm -hmm. you know, Sir Thomas are like, Fanny is unequal. You need to Mm -hmm. make sure you're above Fanny always, but don't treat her meanly. And like, so like, it's a very, very difficult things for children to like, differentiate. And, and, and uh, one of the key things that we see is how they would be nice to Fanny and like include her and stuff. And sometimes maybe even like speak like kindly, like about her when Mm -hmm. she's in the room or even maybe stand up for her when she's in the room. But when she's not in the room, that's when they make fun of her. And that's the like, oh, she doesn't know all of the rivers in Russia or something like that. Sure. So, um, and Edmund kind of puts his foot down. He's like, ah, you know, she's just not that educated. Give her a break, blah, blah, blah. But what we really see in these first few uh, diary entries is 
Fanny becoming obsessed with Edmund. Okay. Like, he calls her his shadow. Okay. And she kind of accepts that and she follows him around and he talks to her and he tries to educate her and he gives her book recommendations and everything like that. And it very much feels like she is learning because he is telling her what to learn. Mm-hmm. And while again, like, I don't want to throw around the word grooming too much, but when you then look at that, that, that phrase later on at the end of the book, when he's like, I molded her, it, that's like, those are the first signs right there. Yeah. (laughs) Is that he's like, no, 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 don't think that, think this. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. So that's the beginning of this book. And then we see a little bit of Edmund's, uh, When he goes to Oxford and he sees Tom, who's been there for, I think, two years before him. And we start to see Edmund realize of, like, Tom's downfall. And Tom starting to gamble and drink and stuff like that. And Edmund is trying to help his brother and be like, look, dude, like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, you should be doing better. So So that was kind of nice is to kind of see this brotherly relationship and how Tom's actions are affecting Edmund. Mm Mm-hmm. In certain ways, because you don't really see that as much in the main novel because it's through Fanny's point of view. So I think that was done really nicely. And I'm going to say Edmund was not a whiny little bitch throughout the whole beginning of this. Yeah. Yeah, he was fine. And then we find out that after Mr. Norris dies, the reason why Dr. Grant was hired was because they needed to fill that position because the Bertrams couldn't afford to just put somebody in there temporarily while the position waited to be filled by Edmund. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Because they would have had to have paid more money to keep the position only temporarily filled. So instead they had to hire Dr. Grant in who signed the contract that made it so then he was there pretty much until he died. Mm Mm-hmm. And this happened because Tom had so much debt that when Mr. Bertram paid his debt, that money was gone. So they couldn't hold that position open for Edmund anymore. Got it. And that creates this interesting kind of like guilt and like conflict between the two brothers. Because as soon as Edmund realizes that he wants to go into the church, which he does um, after... Fanny finds out that her sister died. Uh, He like comforts her. And at that moment, he's like, oh, I can do this. I can, you know, help people move through grief and things like that. So maybe I'll go into the church. Um, As soon as he decides that his father's like, okay, cool. We'll keep the Mansfield Park stuff open after Mr. Norris dies. Yeah. We'll do that. And then you can have Mansfield Park. No problem. Mansfield Parsonage. Mansfield Parsonage. Yeah. And he'll essentially, but what it is, is he'll have that and then he'll still live at Mansfield Park. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, I can't remember exactly the details, but I think he would also get Thornton Lacey. Okay. So, yeah, because what they do, what Mr. Bertram does is he essentially puts a temporary person in at Thornton Lacey. So he's able to pay that to keep that position open for Edmund. But then when Mr. Norris dies, he can't afford to do both. Mm-hmm. And I guess because of the situation in Thornton Lacey, he can't then just sell the Thornton Lacey one and give 
you know, right. and do that with Because he had already yeah. made like a contract with yeah, whoever they exactly. put in there. Yeah, you can't back out and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. So once Ed or once Tom's debts were paid, Sir Thomas sits Edmund down and is like, Look, your brother fucked you. Like, you don't get this. You're stuck with Thornton Lacey, which means that your income isn't going to be nearly as high as it could be if you had both. And yeah, so you should probably talk to your brother. Essentially, Sir Thomas is like, your brother fucked you and you should be mad at him about it. Yeah. In hopes that Edmund being bad will sort out Tom. Yeah. But Tom doesn't give a fuck. He apologizes, but he's like, I'm not changing. Yeah. And that is what triggers sir thomas to take tom with him to antigua okay i love all that background like yeah. i love all that explanation that like gives you like reasonings for things that are totally even though that's not like set out in the book like it's totally mm-hmm. legitimate it would have totally mm-hmm. fit in um i love that mm-hmm. and again that's one of the great things about the way that amanda grange writes these books is that we get all of that yeah she takes the kind of bones of the story that we get in the main novel and she just fills it in Mm -hmm. for us because we just know that sir thomas and tom go to antigua we don't really know why that we don't know why sir thomas took tom and everything like that we don't know if he had like the gambling and horse issues you know, to an extent beforehand or whatever, but she fills us all in and gives us reasons for all of these things. Like, cause I think even at one point we were wondering why Dr. Grant came in or why yeah. Edmund couldn't have the position once yeah. he became ordained. Well, now we kind of know. Yeah. So that's one of the great, again, one of the great things I like about how Amanda Grange does this. And then we get to the actual part of Mansfield park and the Crawfords show up mm-hmm. and Edmund walks into the room and he sees Mary Crawford and he turns into a whiny bitch. <laughs> it's not Edmund's fault. It's Mary Crawford's fault is what I'm <laughs> no, getting. No, it's Edmund's fault. It's Edmund's <laughs> no, fault. No, it is. Because it's I Edmund's feel like, fault. Yeah, I'm 100% fault. he could be in control of himself. I'm, yeah, just, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what we see at the beginning of their like relationship, though, is uh, Mary obviously being interested in Tom. Mm-hmm. And Tom not necessarily flirting, but giving Mary Crawford attention. Yeah. Just normal attention and Edmund sitting back here being jealous and kind of whining and complaining about the fact that he very clearly likes Mary but Mary gives all of his her attention to Tom which also makes sense and he knows that it makes sense like he understands why she's doing it and so it's just like right off the bat whiny 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 but I mean (laughs) but now we got the background of like you know Mm-hmm. Tom's brother and his gambling made it so Edmund couldn't have all of these things and so maybe that's like compounding on it and like Mary Crawford is this catalyst for Edmund's feelings even though he doesn't realize it like maybe not a subconscious yeah. level the competition and the jealousy is driven by the earlier disagreements between the brothers well and also we know that like one of the one of the problems Mary Crawford has with like wanting to marry a clergyman is the money. Yeah. And if Edmund had both the Mansfield Park Parsonage and Thornton Lacey, maybe he would be making enough money to satisfy her. Yeah. Except that she would still be the wife of a clergyman. Right. I don't know. Right. But yeah, so there is that conflict as well. Yeah. And then essentially we just go through the rest of the novel 
with Edmund also sitting here and whining and pining over and complaining about Mary Crawford and all of the like tugging back and forth of his heartstrings and everything like that. And, you know, how he sees certain things with like Crawford and his sisters, but doesn't really like come to terms with it, doesn't really understand it. And it's just, it's so annoying. So it's is he so hard suspicious of Henry and Mariah and like... Just doesn't um, do anything about it? I'm trying to remember the details because I'm not going to lie. I sped read through a lot of the middle section because it was just yeah, no, so hard for me to stay, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. concentrating. Um, he he noticed, he took note of certain times when Crawford would leave with Mariah. And he would also take note at those times when Julia would make herself go with. But then when Julia was just like, fuck this noise, I'm done. Like, he just... Yeah, it was, I don't think he was as suspicious as he should have been. Mm-hmm. And we all saw that even within the novel because yeah. he was obsessed with Mary Crawford. Right. So like his attentions were very much focused on her and everything that's going on. Now, don't get me wrong. Like he always mentions Fanny and is always talking about Fanny and points out when Fanny's there and when she isn't and how he want, likes talking with her and spending time with her and everything like that. There's all of that. Mm-hmm. But again, it isn't until the end of the book that he goes, oh my gosh, I actually like Fanny. And so one of the other places where I made sure to stop myself from speed reading um, was at the end of the book, because at the end of Mansfield Park, it's kind of like a big summary. Yeah. So this book kind of slows it down and gives us a little bit more of a like an inside look into what actually happens. And again, Amanda Grange is really great at, you know, extending beyond uh, the end of the Austin novels as well. So I think that she did a good job here, too. And so we get to see that conversation between Edmund and Mary at the end in first person. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little disappointed in it in the sense that like, so Edmund is in London because of the whole Mariah situation. Yeah. And he goes to see Mary Crawford and they're sitting there and Mary is just talking and all of this comes out, you know, the whole like how she's not really apologetic about what Henry did uh, and how, you know, she kind of or she really is blaming Mariah. She's not blaming Henry at all. And she does keep saying like, oh, I feel so bad for Fanny, but it's really Mariah's fault. And Edmund is very taken aback by the fact that she will not blame her brother. Mm-hmm. Like she won't blame him at all. And she's just talking and talking and talking. And he doesn't say anything until the very end when he's like, we are, you are not the person I thought you were. And then he gets up and walks away. And I'm just like, I felt like there should have been more there. Like, I really feel like he should have been saying, yeah, Mm -hmm. because it really was just like two or three paragraphs, like long paragraphs of her speech. So, but what was interesting was when he got back to Mansfield Park after picking up Fanny and he sat down and he had the conversation with Fanny. She shows him the letter that Mary Crawford sent. So we get to see that through his point of view. Mm -hmm. So we get to see that section. So I thought that that was kind of a nice touch. And then we see him like helping Tom get better. And we see Tom kind of realizing that he can't do this anymore. And at one point, I think Edmund was like, hey, do you want to go 
oh, do you want to go into town with me? I have to run some errands. And he's like, no, I'm working on fixing up the house or the farms and stuff like that. So he's, Tom is very clearly like taking an interest in Mansfield Park okay. and kind of making it better. So it's, it's, an, it's a nice kind of switch and a nice dynamic that we see um, between them at the end. That kind of mirrors what we saw at the beginning. And then, yeah, it's just like, oh, that's what it was. Sorry, I was I got confused with the film for a second here. So Julia and Yates, as we know, they come back to Mansfield and it kind of feels like everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the Bertrams, and by eventually, I mean like a couple of months, like the end of the book happens in like three months. Uh, the, the summary happens over the course of like three months. Mrs. Bertram is like, you know, I really miss Julia. I would really appreciate it if she kind of came back to the family. So they kind of agreed that this was going to happen. So they they forgive her and they kind of welcome her back, which really helps her in the like eye, like society's eye. Yeah. You know, because really what she did wasn't that bad compared to Mariah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And she had good reason and her family seems to understand her good reason and accept it, especially because Yates isn't that terrible of a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have a ball in their honor. And at the ball, Edmund and Fanny dance a couple of times and they sit and they're talking. And before the ball, when Edmund goes to see Fanny before the ball, he walks into a room and she's sitting there doing something. And that's when he realizes that he loves her. Okay. And it felt a little bit more organic. Mm-hmm. Um, And then like dancing at the ball, he's like really quiet and like really like thinking of fanny and like what he likes about fanny now don't get me wrong he still does the creepy thing sure uh but like at the ball he asks for fanny's hand and fanny's just like whoa yeah no yes 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 no problem yes cool and the first thing he asks her after she says yes is how long have you loved me and i'm just like no dude and she's like oh well it was kind of gradual i didn't realize that i love or it was kind of gradual. And he's like, well, you were obsessed with me as a kid. No, dude. And she's like, I, it was gradual. I didn't realize it until Mary Crawford came into the picture. But yeah, he's just like, how long have you loved me? You've been obsessed with me for a long time. And I just realized that I love you. Ew. I don't yeah. like that. Gross. Yeah. Edmund, you yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He really does. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's it. The last chapter is like at the end of that year, which is 1809. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much like, well, you know, like everything is good. Julia and Yates are good. Tom was sick and now he's better. And I can't believe we went through so much in one year. And I'm just like, oh God, thank God the book's over. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so Edmund Bertram's diary by Amanda Grange. If you like Edmund Bertram, read it and good for you. Uh, Amanda Grange, she does a good job. I would suggest reading her other books. Mm -hmm. I can't say anything about Colonel Brandon or the guy from Persuasion yet because we haven't read those. They're both amazing and probably my top two favorite. No, not (laughs) probably. Brandon and um, Wentworth are my top two favorite heroes. So. Ooh, okay, yes. okay, but yeah. So I'll I'll obviously have a review for those two when we finish our next two. But I would say the book and the like the writing probably you know four out of five stars. Mm-hmm. The subject two out of five stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so because the beginning was good, 
I liked all that insight into the family dynamic, but the rest of it, ugh. the book would be so much better if Edmund just wasn't Edmund. Like, Fanny <laughs> deserves so much better. Yeah. Totally. That's our new shirt. Fanny deserves better. Fanny deserves better. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag free Fanny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so that was my book. How was yours? I'm really interested in yours because <laughs> yours is a self-published book. Yeah. Which I've read. I've read two self-published books mm-hmm. so far in our in our journeys through these. Um, so yeah. I'm not Which, not unfamiliar with them. Right. And and just because it's self-published doesn't mean that it's any lesser than any other book, mm-hmm. but they can sometimes come with their own problems. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then there's also, it's it's through Mary Crawford's point of view, which would be interesting. And yeah. you said that it's not a direct retelling, which is yeah. what I'm interested in. So yeah, what's this one about? What, what is the premise of this Mary Crawford story? Also, tell us the name and the title, because yes. I do not remember the name and the title off the top of my head. Um, So the title is Mary Crawford, and then the subtitle is Revisiting at Mansfield Park. The author is Julia Barrett, and she actually has written um, a couple other ones. Um, she's also written Presumption, subtitle An Entertainment, which is a sequel to Pride and Prejudice. Mm, um, okay. The Third Sister, which is a continuation of Sense and Sensibility, so I'm assuming that one's oh, about okay. Margaret, who's the youngest mm-hmm. sister. And then last one is Jane Austen's Charlotte. Um, And then it's just like a little explanation. Her fragment of a last novel completed. So I'm not sure what that's in reference to. Did Jane Austen write a novel with a main character named Charlotte? So I think that's the name of the main character in Sanditon. Okay. Uh, Yeah, Charlotte Haywood. Okay. Yeah, Charlotte Haywood. I just started season two, guys. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder if that's because I believe Sanditon wasn't completed or Lady Susan wasn't completed. But yeah, I'm not familiar with those those two. Or maybe Sanditon is Lady Susan, but they changed the name. I don't know exactly, but I think that that's what that's supposed to be. Okay, so then Julia Barrett tackled that one um, and took the fragment of it and completed it to like as it's nice okay so um i will say like in terms of the writing um she's trying really hard to write like austin like when you're reading it it's very much like you're reading jane austen it's not you know because sometimes even when you read books by modern authors that are set in this time period you know they're not as they don't use all the same terminology or the same diction or the same mm-hmm. way, the same sentence structures that we use today. Like, the, even though it's written back then, they might give it a more modern spin with the language. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is, like, very much, it's it's almost like reading a novel from somebody who lived during this time. However, <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit like too over the top with that. Um, I feel like there's like a lot of repetition of certain words. Like it's like mm-hmm. um, she like fixated on like certain words that were really popular at the time to describe things and like just use them a lot throughout. And some of them were even words and I consider myself to have a pretty extensive vocabulary. Like I struggled with them like, wait, 
does that, what does this word mean again? Because like they would be in sentences that it didn't seem like that's where they should go. Um, okay. Okay. So, so like things like that always like make me have to stop and go back and look it up. And then if I have to stop and look it up and figure out what's being said, then I start to like lose interest and get exasperated, which is a little bit what happened um, at the beginning of this book. Eventually I will say I got used to like the language within the story and then I was able to just kind of get through. Mm -hmm. The story is very interesting. Um, Okay. And so you said you struggled with the middle of your book. So with this one, yeah. I struggled with the beginning. In fact, not even just the beginning. It's like the first 100 pages. And it's okay. like a 260-some page book. So okay. <laughs> I struggled with the first 100 pages, which is it's like half the book. Yeah. Um, But once you get past that first 100 pages, like you're really into the meat of the story. And then you're just like wanting to find out what happens. Um, So full disclosure, everyone, and Allie, you already know this, but I didn't finish the book. Which is a first for her. It's a first for me. I think there's there's two that I didn't finish. Yeah. There's at least one, and it was an Emma one that I didn't finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's a first for me. I didn't finish in time of our recording. Um, I am Which is about- funny because she wanted to push back our recording time so she could finish. But it turns out she was just building a wall. I was building a wall. Um, <laughs> I built a wall today in front of my house. Not a big wall. Just a little wall for my flowers. It's a garden wall. <laughs> The, the point is is that she, she didn't actually finish the book. I didn't finish the book. Um, I'm 50 pages shy of finishing the story. But you know what? I'm calling this a silver lining moment because now I won't spoil the ending for you guys should you want you to read do. it. You never do. anyway. And now I really I won't. spoil the whole books and you're just like, I read the book and it's good and it's about this person. The end. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, but I really won't risk it here. Um, okay. So let me, let me go through the main beats of the story and you know what yes, I, think, please do. I think you might be interested in it because there's some really good stuff in here so okay at the beginning you're kind of getting mary and henry's background um especially mm-hmm. as they were younger so like we know they were essentially orphaned they had to go live with the admiral and his wife right the their aunt and uncle like we know how the admiral's kind of like a womanizer and like shady and didn't wasn't always great to his wife and like the wife was like a little bit frivolous and like didn't understand how to take care of children like we know this essentially from the story Mm -hmm. um so we get like a little bit more involved in like how henry and mary were like separated and like how their aunt and uncle influenced them um and then we get like a chapter and a half ish of like what happens in mansfield park like it's very quick, just kind of description stuff. So like... Okay, which is saying something given the fact that it's a very long novel. Exactly. So it's like, um, the way it's preferenced is like, again, you know how Austin will like, oh, dear reader, let me take you mm-hmm. on this journey. So like that that style is emulated here. So it's very much under the impression that you have read Mansfield Park. So you yeah. know what happened. So I don't need to explain it. Which right. I, to be honest, like 
I appreciated in in terms of a sequel because it's like I don't want to be bogged down with the whole story of Mansfield Park. I do know yeah. what happened. So thank you, Julia Barrett, for like assuming my intelligence. So I have a quick question. So do you remember when you read the other Bennett sister? Yes. Did it also kind of do that? Yes. So there was a prequel, okay. which like super like, duper short. The... Yeah. And yeah. then it jumped over Pride and Prejudice and then had the story. Yeah. Okay. 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 Sorry. It's also like, I know you read it, but I still have it sitting on my shelf. It's good. <laughs> it's a good one. Anyway, it's keep good. going. Okay. Um, also, The Heiress, which was Catherine de yeah. daughter, did the same thing where prequel, okay. jump over, new story. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of explain how, like, the things that happened in the world of Mansfield Park really, like, changed Mary. Um, not right away. Like, you know, she goes back to her London society. She's having to, like, recover because, like, she's part of this scandal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry is, like responding to this by like basically being like he like basically you know how tom got sick because he was like doing bad things or whatever not because he was doing bad things but he was doing bad things and then he's got sick it like it's like the bad things went out of tom and then went into henry because he's like gambling he's womanizing he's Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff and also he's like using mary's fortune to like pay his gambling debt so like she's kind of oh. running out of money it's not Shit. yeah it's not a good his situation. money <laughs> it's not, I, I don't know i don't know it's weird it's not a good situation so anyway so like but at some point like people are wising up to him because mariah bertram is like you know slandering his name and like going around and like she's like out of control and like mad and so like Henry can't like flirt with women as much as he used to because the story's getting around and like he can't mm-hmm. do all the things that he used to do and it's like so there's like this fight between Henry Henry and Mariah. Okay. Okay, so like that's kind of all happening. Mary's like I can't take this anymore. It's too much. Um we know that Mrs. Grant husband dies. Um and so what happens is Mrs. Grant does move back into Northamptonshire and this is all like about a year after the scandal at Mansfield Park takes place. So she moves back into Northamptonshire and she's like, am I saying that right? Yeah, I said it right. She's like, hey, Mary, come stay with me. Like, let's, I'm your sister. I'm not going to abandon you. Like, I I feel guilty, like, abandoning you when you were a child and I should have been there for you. But my husband, Mr. Grant, didn't want any, didn't want us to, like, take in kids or whatever it was. So, like, come Come with me and we'll take care of each other. And so they do. And it's actually a pretty good relationship. And so she... Well, I was going to say... Sorry. Yeah. To interrupt, but I was under the impression that Mrs. Grant wasn't that much older than that. In this book, it, like, implies that she is, it seems. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. It's just... I don't know. I didn't even think of that being, like, an option. Yeah. That, like... But then again, yeah, no, that makes sense because Mrs. Grant doesn't seem to have also been in a situation where she had to live with the uncle. Yeah. Even though they're all first siblings. Okay, sorry. I guess I didn't even think of that. Or they're they're half siblings. No, I thought I they think. were first siblings. Let's not do this again. I remember don't really we, remember. Actually, that's something we didn't talk about. We'll have to talk about it we'll at the end of the novel. We'll talk about it Because I did, ha- I do, we do have to recognize we have made a mistake. Yeah. But moving on. Um, so regardless of their blood status in terms yeah, of yeah, siblings yeah. that means nothing um mary goes to stay with her and so okay. mary all of a sudden a year later finds herself 
back in the area of Mansfield Park. And it's a little surreal for her. Like, she's she's a woman very much humbled. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Grant is worried about her. So, you know, they, like, introduce themselves into other pockets of the society of the area, not the Bertrams. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of come across this, like, I'll use the words from the book, um, a symposium of ladies, um, all very forward thinking, um, mm-hmm. very much like men are allowed to think and philosophize. So can women like we're just mm-hmm. as smart, blah, blah, blah. Women deserve rights. It's like kind of like mm-hmm. early suffragette movements, things happening here. Like not really, Good. not quite the right, right to vote, but at least like right. equal treatment I mean- and yeah. Mary was kind of leading in that direction she, anyway. She totally was. Yeah. She, she fits right in. Um, very, very salon style. Mm-hmm. Um, she meets um, sisters of the family Littleton. Um, and I believe they have like a house in London and they're out there in the country. And she comes across their brother. And he at first seems kind of like a Darcy. Um, okay. But... It's also very forward-thinking. Like, he wants his sisters to be forward-thinking. He thinks all women should be, like, I don't know. Not, I don't, I don't want to say treated equally because that's not the terminology that's used. But it's, like, women shouldn't just be silly, involved in mm-hmm. silly, frivolous things. All women right, should be right. thinkers. And, like, they shouldn't be dreamy-eyed all the time. Like, he's mm-hmm. very annoyed by that. He's, like, very rational, straightforward. And he thinks the women around him should be that way, too. Kind of like, uh, instead of just being educated in like, like you know, music and arts, they should be they could be educated in other areas. Exactly, kind of a situation. Yeah, yes, yeah. and like they talk specifically about that. Yeah. Um, and so it's really interesting. And at first, Mary's like, I don't know what I think of this guy. He's kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. But then, like, eventually, she just comes to realize that that's just his demeanor and whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's that guy. Okay. And then there's this other guy. Who is, like, mm-hmm. friends with that guy, that Littleton guy, who um, Mary also gets involved with and is writing letters to. And that guy's mm-hmm. name is Lieutenant William Price. <gasps> no. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yep. No. And. Scandal. So scandal. And it's Lieutenant, no, it by the gets, way. <laughs> It gets even more scandal because, okay, so they're out in the countryside. She comes across Littleton, like, mm-hmm. on this, like, walk around, you know, their boulevard or whatever. And he's like, hey, this is my friend, William Price. And she's like, oh, my God, I know you. And, like, they don't <laughs> say how they know each other, but, like, it's very, like, uncomfortable, awkward silence. Mm-hmm. And then William Price is essentially like, do you walk around here often? Um, what time do you walk around here? And then, like, he, like, purposefully, like, goes there to, like, walk with her. And then, like, he asks her if he can write to her. And Definitely. he writes to her and she writes him back. And they don't tell anybody. Like, he doesn't tell Fanny or anybody else. And she doesn't tell her sister. And it's like, are you going to end up with this dude? But then he sends her this letter and she's like, wait, I have made a big mistake. I should not have entered into this. And then she eventually tells Mrs. Grant. Mrs. Grant is like, try not to be shocked. (laughs) But she's also like, you know what, Mary, it's okay. 
you haven't <laughs> responded back to it. Let's just like respond back very cordially, very simply, and like just make it like he's just a guy who wants to share about the war that he's in and all the fighting that he's doing and the heroics and whatever. And so like it's kind of shut down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mary goes to London because Henry is coming back into the country to confront Mariah, I guess, and she doesn't want to be around that. She doesn't want that drama in her life because she's a forward, free-thinking woman and has found society that accepts her. <laughs> so she's like, peace out, we're leaving. Um, uh-huh. Also, the Admiral comes into the country to visit them, and he, his wife has died, and he has okay. what's called his like residential companion, this woman named Mrs. Cox, who apparently had been around for like, they, they knew her as kids. So, mm-hmm. like, it's essentially his mistress that he's schlepping yeah. about. And she's like, do not come here with your mistress. Like, everybody will talk about us. Like, get out. And so that happens. And so, like, he goes back to London. And then Mary's in London. And, like, this lady from France comes over and is like, in France, we're all about women's rights. And, like, let's help you guys do that, too. And so, like, there's more talks and more symposiums that they go to and then like eventually like the women are set out and like going around speaking to other women and it's like very much like grassroots political movements like happening in Mary Crawford's life which good for her but she also has to deal with all the turmoil of her brother because yeah so he goes into Mansfield and he's like I'm gonna confront Mariah and the Bertrands and tell them to stop talking shit about me and he does that and then they're like, fuck you, Henry Crawford, you're a cat, get away. <laughs> and so he leaves and he's really mad. And the whole time Mrs. Grant is still there, she came back to London to kind of oversee it. And she's like, okay, Mary, everything's fine. He's gone back. It's all good. Come back when you want to. And she almost goes, but she doesn't because she's in London. She's staying with the Littletons. And the brother's like, don't go. And all of a sudden he's like really nice and sweet to her. And so now it's very clear that she likes him. And not necessarily William Price. I don't know who she ends up with because I didn't finish the book. But it's between these two. <laughs> so, but she's very clearly into him. And um, so, like, you know, she's with the sister. She's with him, with that family, spreading the word about, you know, women's rights or whatever. Women's rights is not the correct terminology, guys. I'm just, I'm just right, yeah, yeah, saying yeah. it simply. Um, yeah. About forward-thinking women. And also Henry goes back to London to seek out the admiral. Because he's like, Uncle, everybody's talking crap about me, and I can't, I can't gamble, and I can't flirt with women, because like everybody says I'm like this terrible person. And the admiral's right. The admiral is like, Don't worry, Henry. I've also been in those situations, and I know a guy who can help us out. We will make sure that Mariah and her family pay for like everything that they're doing, essentially. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, okay, okay. Like, don't get me wrong, like, like Henry is, is the reason why this happened as much as Mariah is. But I mean, like, yeah, come on. Anyway, so the Admiral's like, I know just the guy to help us. And so they hire this guy. And like, essentially his job is to like, get a bunch of background information on Mariah and the Bertrams. And then like, go into Northamptonshire or Mansfield Park, that area, and just, like, stumble upon her and, like, essentially make her fall in love with him and then he will secret her away. And, like, this all happens in the course of, like, a couple days. And so all of a sudden, like, Mary's in London, like, 
my aunt or my sister just wrote to me she says everything's fine henry's taken care of and then like a couple weeks later she gets another letter and she's like oh my god get back here now shit has hit the fan and she gets back there and she's like mariah has ran away with this guy his name is lawrence randalls yeah so (laughs) so mariah ran away with a guy again she left her aunt norris's house and ran away with another dude and where i ended is mary's out walking around she's like milling milling about this because she's like even though she doesn't know for sure, she's like, I know Henry has a part in this. This guy came mm-hmm. from Norfolk, which is where Henry still has Everingham. It makes sense that Henry sent this guy to mess with them. She's like piecing it together in her brain. So she's out musing about this. Nobody else knows. It's just like between her and Mrs. Grant. Um, and she comes upon William Price again. And she's like, what are you doing here? I thought you had to be on your ships. And he's like, well, we were detained a little bit longer. And then also I had to get out here because Fanny is super d- distressed. And she's distressed because Mariah has run off. And so, like, it comes out. And she's like, do I say that my brother is involved in this again? Do I not? And, like, (laughs) I don't know. So her and Price are walking around talking about Mariah running away again. And then that's that's where it ended. So I don't know who she chooses. I think she chooses Littleton. I think she chooses him. That's my (gasps) predictions. I am going to finish the book, by the way. I think she chooses him. I think they're going to find Mariah and either make Mariah and this, like, bad scandal guy, like, get married. Or, I don't know, or she'll just go back and be disgraced again. I'm not really sure. Um, And, yeah, that's my predictions. Um, Fanny is super happy with Edmund. Like, she is a woman transformed, according to Mary Crawford. She is, like, super confident. She loves, like, being the clergyman's wife. She is very helpful, charitable. Blah, blah, blah. So Mariah and Mrs. Norris are living close to Mansfield? It sounds like they're in her cottage. They did. It sounds like in this version, okay. they just didn't leave her cottage. Mrs. Norris's cottage. Okay. But like Mariah isn't like hanging out at Mansfield Park. No, she's not allowed. However, after okay. a while, it, you know, it's said that Mrs. Bertram, that was her favorite child. And like. In the dead of night, every once in a while, she's secreted into Mansfield Park so she can see her mom or whatever. Ah, okay, okay. Damn you, William Price. (laughs) (laughs) William Price. Lieutenant William Price and Mary Crawford. So much better than that. So much better than that. I just couldn't believe, like, he's like, can I write to you? And she's like, okay. And I'm like, this is not accurate. Well, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm sure, like people did that but like yeah it was incredibly improper if he should have said can i write to your sister to give to you because his sister her sister is a widow so that would have been okay yeah yeah but also because like she would have kind of been more like a chaperone to mary no yeah and they like walk by themselves sometimes (gasps) in the shrubbery it's scandal yeah it's scandal that's mary crawford revisiting mansfield park by julia barrett you're interested in a salacious story and you want to know what happens, like, check it out. Okay. Was there anything you didn't like about the book? I don't know how much this is the author's fault, but, like, as I mentioned before, there were, like, areas where there was just, like, rife with errors. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That some sometimes happens with self-publishing. <laughs> mi- like, sentences ending before the sentence ends, like, in the middle of the sentence, and then, like clearly like supposed to be like a finished thought but like never went back to be finished or something or i don't know um 
like I said, I've read self-published books before and I'm I'm attuned to the occasional error, but like this one had a a ton. Um and then like kind of the same thing with in terms of like the terminology. Um I'm not convinced that like all of the words were the right words to be used. Um or they were the right words but like they weren't put in the sentence accurately. The right way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like okay. it was like I want to use this old-fashioned word, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna put it in a more modern, ordered sentence. I guess if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So yeah. But if you can get past stuff like that, then the story is actually once you get past the first hundred pages is really juicy, and then you want yeah. to figure out yeah. what happens. So. <laughs> I was gonna say it kind of sounds a little bit like a fan fiction kind of situation where because you know sometimes you get those fan fictions where it's just like oh wow that's an interesting choice of words or that sentence doesn't really work but the story is good enough to where you just keep going because yeah. like I'm interested in the story this yeah. story sounds really good I'm like <laughs> damn you William Price and <laughs> like I'm not 100% convinced that all the characters like Henry Mary William Price, like, I'm not convinced that they would all act the way that they are acting in mm-hmm. this book, um, but I appreciate, like, the new way of looking at these yeah. characters and, yeah. like, putting them in these situations and, like, it makes for interesting reading. Cool. Yeah. Well, so that was our first foray into uh, different points of view for this, uh, for this these uh, book adaptations that we're doing. Because our next set of books are also different points of view. Yes. But slightly different. We have two interesting books. Um, So, Katrina, you are reading a kind of prequel book that focuses on Aunt Norris. Oh, this is my one that's only Kindle version. Yes, yes. It's called Becoming Mrs. Norris, a Mansfield Park prequel by Alexa Adams, and it is a Kindle-only book. And it's a series. It's part of a series. Yeah. It's part of the Twisted Austin series. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I want to look. I, I, I just pulled it up, so I'm, like, looking at this. It looks like there's, like, an Emma and Elton one. Jane and Bingley slightly, or something slightly unsettling. Mm-hmm. A Lady Catherine one, a Young Wickham one. I wonder if these have elements of, like, horror or, like, fantastical qualities to them. Let me see. If it's, like, the twisted. Because, like, I was looking at the different versions. um, Or, the sorry, I was looking at the different books in the series and, like, the yeah. covers. And that kind of gave me, like, a a bit of a horror vibe. Well, so her first one, which is Emma and Elton, was published as a short story on her blog for Halloween. Okay. Though you'll find no ghosts or ghouls gracing the pages, the tenderhearted Janeites be warned. Something lies truly horrid. But that's the first one, which is called Emma and Elton, Something Truly Horrid. Yeah. But, like, the book cover for the one you're reading is scary. It is scary. (laughs) I know. That's why I'm like, is this a horror? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Which I love horror, guys. Oh, yeah. It just says, how did she become so repulsive? Great. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a horror. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really looking forward to seeing what it is. But um, just so you guys know, if you wanted to check it out and kind of read it with us, it is uh, Kindle. It's part of Kindle Unlimited, so it's free to read. Yep. 
So check it out. Becoming Mrs. Norris, a Mansfield Park prequel by Alexa Adams. That's what Katrina's reading. Mm-hmm. Now I am reading Mansfield Park Revisited, a Jane Austen entertainment, um, which is also a Kindle edition. Or no, there's a paperback and a Kindle edition. Because I was going to say, I have the paperback version. But it's by Joan Aiken. Okay. Yeah. So Mansfield Park Revisited by Joan Aiken. And it's a sequel. Okay. So it's pretty much what happens when Fanny and Edmund leave Mansfield Park. They have to go to the Caribbean. And it's through Susan's point of view because she's left at Mansfield Park with the rest of the Bertrams. Yeah, so it's kind of like what's going to happen after Mansfield Park through Susan's point of view. Okay, very cool. So yeah, so we have uh, two books coming up, Mrs. Norris' point of view, we have Susan's point of view, and that's what we have for next week. Yay. So. Well, not next week, two weeks from now. Oh, sorry, two weeks from now. Yep, so our next episode will come out on the 15th. Yes. Um... While we're on that note, let's go ahead and talk about the error. <laughs> okay, so it was pointed out to us uh, on or on Instagram in a comments on one of the film adaptation posts that we had where somebody was like, wait, what are you talking about that Edmund and Fanny are half cousins? It's always assumed that they are first cousins. And so as soon as I saw that, I'm like, wait, no, I would have sworn at the beginning it talked about how Edmund and Tom were not Mrs. Bertram's kids. So I started looking not just through my regular version, but my annotated version, and I could not find it anywhere. So I go to Katrina and I'm like, where did you, where did we come up with this? Where did this information come from? Because it's not in there, guys. They are first cousins. <laughs> so in the first chapter at the beginning, um, they're kind of talking about the kids that Sir Thomas has. And it's like, Sir Thomas, um, like the paragraph is about him. Mm -hmm. And like they put Edmund and Tom kind of separate. And to me, it always implied that they were his kids. And then he had Lady Bertram and then Mariah and Julia came along. Kind of like in Sense and Sensibility where the sisters are all, it's, they're all the second wife's kids. And then Mm -hmm. they have an older half brother. I really thought that was the situation in here. But no, nope. or maybe I just really wanted to tell myself that to make myself feel better <laughs> about things. Uh, but yeah, no, they're blood first cousin related. Well, so Edmund is only like a couple of years older than Mariah. So that kind of makes sense. But I didn't realize that. Like he's like maybe like two or three years older than Mariah. Okay. So, I thought yeah. there was always a bigger age gap between no, him and Mariah. No. But yeah, it's... But yeah, so we were wrong in complaining about the fact that it was that the mention Whatever, of past cousins was in the book <laughs> and not the film. But nope, it's the films were right. Yeah, so they are first cousins, and it's weird. And now we can all be grossed out about that. But we were wrong, guys. That's 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 what you need to take I mean, away. We are admitting I feel like we we're, were wrong. Mostly all the time, wrong, but we do it with flair. <laughs> Most of the time, it's our opinions that are incorrect, but this is a fact that's incorrect. Okay, I'll give you that. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, thank you to whomever it was that reached out. Uh, I don't have the name in front of me, but thank you so much for that. Uh, And if there's other things we're wrong about, guys, call us out, because at the very least, you get to hear us apologize for it. Uh, (laughs) 
We're just gonna have a segment. It's called Ellen Katrina Apologize. <laughs> It's gonna be at the beginning Where of every were episode. we wrong last week? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, thank you for listening. Our next episode will be out on the 15th of June because we're going every two weeks now. And we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, El Camerer. We're part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com. Or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBM Podcast. I'm going to say that again. It's WBM Podcast.